unique where I come from. I don't think I had so many people to look up to. That is, I was like, no ways, no medicine for me. This just can't happen. Like by default, that class forces you to be in competition with someone. That environment is not created at home to be able to communicate your failures. You, you only articulate well when you're doing well. They tend to do much better than someone who's really trying to impress everyone, who's trying to get everything right. I guess part of life is you have to go through something to really learn. Actually, I cannot do this by myself. Like, I've tried anything without, like, it's just quite difficult to recover from it because and now you have to lie to your parents, you make up transcripts that are not fair. You know, all those type of things, but... Uh, Absolutely. Where do you apply maths? But I'm like, you apply maths every day in your life. Maths is not a subject where you say, where is the application. Maths is more, teaches you how to think about problems, teaches you how, like, when you have an unknown, it's like how you solve your own life problems. But, well, uh, in, in my initial thought, I wanted to be a shared accountant. Then I did finance and accounting. So when I was doing finance and accounting, finance was more of investments and banking. And that's where really, I think, my interest in like investing really started. And welcome to the Tutorates podcast, wherever you're listening from. And today we have a very special guest, one of our in-house tutors, Rotonda Rambaoli. Now, I need to give you a bit of context about the title that we have on today. She received seven distinctions in matric with a whopping 99% in mathematics. She is a UCT graduate that majored in finance with accounting and also a Golden Key Fellow. Now, just by hearing that, you definitely have to hear what she has to say. Rotondra, please explain yourself. How did you even achieve what you did? Thank you very much for giving me the platform. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the 99% of math counts as like <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But what have you been doing since your graduation? Since my graduation, I went to look for a job and I got a job in accounting, which I didn't really like that much. But because I majored in finance and accounting, I, I leaned more towards the finance side, which is the investment. So now I am an investment analyst and that's what I'm currently doing. So doing all the things that can probably and hopefully get me into managing a fund. No, that's excellent. And then, oh yes, you mentioned that uh, you were looking for a job, but then you were still studying. Uh, what were you studying and was it more on the finance or accounting side? No, actually it was, I was doing a postgraduate diploma thing. So if you're, and I think that was mainly because I didn't really have jobs lined up. I didn't really take the effort to apply. I just went to school because I just like management of my life properly. So otherwise I should have left, graduated, 
and went to work but I went back to school because I didn't really plan my life properly so yeah that was more in accounting and it really made me realize that I actually don't want to be in the accounting space uh yeah Can you share a moment or an experience that sparked your passion for your current career field? I don't have one moment to say that this is where I actually figured out that I wanted to be here. But I think knowing that I like money so much and I think, <laughs> I, think uh, <laughs> I was more on like just interested on how people make money. And I think when I got into university, it was like, okay, just do careers that like can give, like you can earn money. But I figured out that I actually just wanted to know how the banks, how the asset managers are making money. And I think that's where it really informed my decision into getting into investments, I think. I think it was just like the love for money to be honest that's where it started and yeah I, I was always just curious about anything when it comes to investments stocks whatever it is like I'll go and do my research about things I started investing on my own putting my money losing money here and there but yeah but it was all fun so I think it was just the love for money and like curiosity of how are people making money and why is everyone just interested in this field? And yeah. Okay, okay, but now where where did you even like start investing? Because with me, yeah, you know, like you'd read or like come across something that says you should start investing. Like, <laughs> like I remember when I was, when I was, I was, I think I was in grade seven. My dad gave me like an article to read on Warren Buffett on how he started investing when he was like twelve or something, right? Yeah. They're like, now he's like this much and like his money is compounded over the years. Now he's worth this much. And he was like, you should start investing. And I was like, that'd be great. But firstly, like, I don't have money. But secondly, where do I even invest? Bro, like, I, I'm i 12. Where am I investing? So where did you start investing after like, because like you're making it seem like you started investing like mad, yeah. No, <laughs> okay, so I think I've always been a saver. So when it comes to like anything, when it comes to saving money, so I don't think I actually really started investing like that. I think I started as a saver, like saving money. So you get like your pocket money and then I would take some of my money and then I asked my mother to like open a bank account under her because that time I was underage, so I couldn't really get a bank account. So I think it started there when I was just putting money in the bank. And then when I got to university, I think it was a coincidence of me actually ending up with doing finance and accounting. Because I, in, in my initial thought, I wanted to be a shared accountant. Then I did finance and accounting. So when I was doing finance and accounting, finance was more of investments and banking. And that's where really, I think, my interest in like investing really started. And I think... We, I, I really had uh, good uh, lectures, so they would like uh, give us practicals to say, okay, try investing your money. Uh, let's say we we would have like a project sort of, and then if you're like, they, they sometimes would say, I'm, I'm betting my money on this or whatever, but it was not that hectic of like, you should go 
put your money there. But like, if you're interested to see how actually it works out. And then it was more of like, okay, if I want to put my money in stocks, where do I go? Sort of things like that. But I, I don't think it started as investing to start with. I think I started with saving money. I think I just wanted to accumulate a lot of money. As, as much as it was not a lot, but for me, because I was still young, felt like a thousand was like quite a lot for me. Like if I could save up to a thousand, I mean, a millionaire in my class that time. So. Yeah. 100%, 100%. But I, I think I just developed the interest as it, it, it went by going to varsity, being exposed to more investing. I think it was just a coincidence because I wanted to be a chartered accountant, not an investment analyst or anything like that. So wait, so you say in your lecture, uh, like yeah. they give you tasks like figure out where to invest your stocks. I mean, it usually would be like projects of, let's say, uh, you would do your company research, for example. So you do your company research, you're looking into fundamentals, looking into like whether or not you believe that the company have a sustainable business. So those are the type of things that you would. So after that project, like go to is to okay if i actually did a research on let's say at the time i think okay let me not say which companies i did research on because people are gonna end up going by buying those things but there was a t like uh you do a research and then you end up like believing so much in the type of business that the company is doing and at the end of the day because i was more curious on seeing how it actually works out got as the equity money day where I would think that company is doing well so it was just a lot of interest being sparked in class and a lot of curiosity on my side on how to where to put money but now I work in more of um more formalized way everyone I think everyone should be if you don't have the information or if you're not as educated should get people who know a lot about what's happening out there, people who have done their research, people who will invest your money and who have the standard, like who are held accountable by certain standards. Yeah, so that's just that. Okay, so now, which do you think is better? I mean, again, this is not financial advice. It's just like a conversation, just like sharing information. Yeah. But it's not financial advice. But which, which do you think is better? Because you didn't mention how You'd like to research into a company and then from that point on actually go about investing into whatever that company is. But which do you think is better? Do you think it's better to invest in individual companies and sort of have your actually like do your personal investing portfolio or just go, you know what, um, here's like a basket of companies like the SA Tricks or um any other like etf and like just put your money there and like let the professionals handle it like what would you say to bro i don't know hey i like i'm trying to think of like an essay company that like i like i like drip the shoes you know what i mean and drip is like a publicly shared company because i like drip is it smart for me to like take my a thousand rand that i've saved for like two years and like put it into drip <laughs> So those things comes with like your risk appetite, but there's also that saying that says never put your eggs in one basket. Even that's why there is what you're talking about is more of like indices in which like it's a basket of stocks. 
And with that one, I would say it's much more better for someone who doesn't know. Like, because if you are like a normal average person who doesn't know what investing is, or like, or you're just figuring things out, you don't, you even if you're going to do your quite a lot of points. But when it comes to the indices, it's professionals who have selected those types of stocks. So you really not, you not even doing any research on those stocks. Because someone like professionals have already done that research for you. But it's also like, I think your risk appetite should also inform you as to where you should put your money. But I would say if you're someone who doesn't really know anything about investment, like the baskets of stocks that are already picked out, it's much better than you going into an individual company. Because what are the chances of, let's say, 100 companies failing? And then, and then versus your one single picked stock. Because that's what you find out is that even the people who who have more, they, they, they believe so much in one company. They don't normally invest in that particular company. They usually diversify their portfolios. That just for in case, because you want to be at a place where you're hedging or like risk to say. So I would say seek financial advice. One, that's the very important thing. And... I mean, even though you, even when you do get someone to handle your portfolios or to handle your money, it's always good to seek out more information about things because at the end of the day, you want to know if your money is going down, why is that? And if your money is increasing, why is that? So information is never a waste of anything. So just seek more information. But financial advice is very important because those are the people who go to school to get those type of information to talk to you about it. If you're not in that field, yes. Is there anyone that sparks that curiosity though? Because yes, sometimes you should I say like a divine calling that you just figure out like, this is actually what I enjoy doing. Or is there someone that opened your eyes to the financial landscape in your like very early days? Uh, I think it was always like I would always take it back to like I would always get my pocket money like my mother would give me like the whole like the whole month's worth of pocket money and however I whatever I do with that money it's up to me and that was like from an early age like I think I can remember from primary I think but I'm not sure what grade but I think from primary I would get maybe primary started as a weekly pocket money and then high school it was fully I would get your transport money, your monthly allowance, that's it. And however you do with that money, it's up to you. And when you do finish that money before the month end, it's all up to you because she's like, I gave you the money, you do that. I think that really just like taught me a lot about responsibility, taking responsibility and making sure that I'm like dividing my money accordingly and making sure that the last week of the month, I still have money. But you know, you would never have, <laughs> you can never, you can never be perfect anyway, even if you do that. Actually, I actually think that's a, that's a much better setup than giving your kid pocket money daily. Yeah. Because like getting 20 rand every day, it's very easy to like go through 20 rand. But if you're getting like 200 rand for like your two months, then that yeah. sort of like makes sense because it already teaches you how you would get paid when you're working because like you get your payment mm-hmm. as like a lump sum beginning of the month. So if the habit has been formed of knowing how to deal with money 
from the time you were like in primary, by the time like you're working, it it's it's subconscious now. You don't even have to think about it, like you know. Yeah. And there 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 was this one. Was it a statistic? I can't I can't pull it up now, but it said something like, like definitely like ballpark numbers. Like these are not accurate at all, but round about this range that around like sixty percent of South Africans spend like eighty percent of their salaries within like the first between three days and seven days of them getting paid. Like eighty percent for the remaining bit of the month. I would think it's more I, I guess uh, when the responsibility gets higher it's like yeah, okay. <laughs> but I guess it's also a part of pay your bills month end sort of type of setting. But I think it's, it's I think it's just also a good a good skill to teach yourself to manage your money well. You don't have to be a professional or you don't need to go to school to start learning how to manage your money. It's that's what very small things that you do every day. So yeah, I, I would say yeah, that really sparked my interest in money and I think also the part of me where I come from, I don't think I had so many people to look up to when it come when it came to my career in specific, I don't think I have anyone to this point of like just from where I come from who I can say we relate in the experience of the the type of career that I chose. And I've always wanted to be like that first person in everything really. Uh, that that's always been my thing of okay, there's no one oh, let it? me be that person. But I think oh, wow. where where I came from it's really there was variety. There was like an option of things that you could become first in, so don't take it like so that you but like yeah. But I think just being in a place where oh. You don't really have those people you, you can't necessarily say you look. I mean, people motivate you in different ways and people don't need to have certain degrees or whatever to be role models in your life. But I think it's important to do have someone who can bring it on a on a pers- like on a personal level, someone who went through that, someone you can ask on like, okay, if I want to take my career this direction, do you think it's much better? But for me, it became something that I had to look for in people, not from where I come from. So I wanted to be that person. Maybe if like someone wants to go into investments, you know, I'm there at some point, like I've acquired the skills to, to say, okay, this is your do's, this is your don'ts. I mean, someday, one day, I'm not at that stage yet, but I mean, they, this, it has to start somewhere, so I guess. Yeah. So right now, what was the actual pathway from selecting your subjects in grade nine to where you are now? So like, what subjects did you select in grade nine? And what was your thought process? Like, I'm going to select geography because I like clouds, right? To finish That's it. actually so, like, funny. Grade nine, I actually wanted to do science, life science and geography or normal science stream. But because my school was quite big, so in a big school, if you say names that sort like R, like me, you're going to be in the last class. And usually the last class is that class that they just throw in any teacher want to like, have you done science? Like, can you be? Because like, obviously it's a big school. You can't expect one teacher to be running all the classes because normally what happens is 
the teacher would be probably doing grade 10, grade 11, or grade 12 sometimes. So they have quite a lot of classes to deal with. So your so when a grade, grade 10 would be like from A to F, geography would probably go from D to F. So there's no discussion about that. It's going to fall onto the F. And that was the main reason that really took me out of geography and made me to pick accounting instead of geography. Because with, if I pick accounting, I go to a B class, which is like, t- typically in my school, the science and accounting class was top of the crew of the school. So that was like where you find all the smart kids in that class. But my initial thing, I wanted to do straight science. So I fell into accounting by pure mistake of like, I don't want to be thrown with teachers that you're just asking, can you like take this class or something like that. So that's how I ended up with accounting. And I think I like when it came, when it came to accounting, I actually liked accounting in grade 10 because my grade 10 teacher was, he was quite, okay, rest in peace to me, first hourly. But he was, I think he really in that that basics that fundamentals that you're gonna go to grade 11 by grade 11 accounting teacher was not the best but because we already had that fundamentals the basics like it pulled it like pulled us through through and through so i think accounting was really just by coincidence again i don't know or maybe it was where i was meant to be but yeah, I think I don't think it was anything that I thought deeply to say I wanted to be a chartered accountant. I think by the time when I was in grade nine, I actually wanted to do medicine, not anything to do with accounting. Then I hated life science so much that it was like, no ways, no medicine for me. This just can't happen. But yeah, that's what happened to me. Okay, so you you end up you end up in accounting by sheer luck so mm-hmm. what subjects what subjects did you end up having to do from your grade 10 so i still kept physical science life sciences and accounting as my wages and maths those were the subjects uh and all obviously your life orientation and your languages yeah those were the subjects um yeah okay and then Grade eleven comes through. Grade, grade twelve comes through. Oh no, lost yet high school, and then you apply. You apply to uni now. So after going, yeah. you wanted to do medicine, realizing you don't like accounting. <laughs> now you're applying. Life sciences. And what? What say before? Like, what were your top three options? Because I, I most definitely know you got it for everything you're applying for. <laughs> and I'm gonna ask you. That's a that good sense. enough assumption. <laughs> I so, that people will find out that why I say that. So I think, I think because I ended up in a B class, and that was the class where smart kids were in. Typically, like by default, that class forces you to be in competition with someone or with everyone in the class. That I think, I think that really formed the basis of where I became very, not really, I wouldn't say I was very competitive, but I was forced to be because you're in a class with everywhere, you're in a class where you have very smart people, teachers are really asking for answers from them. And you, you, you get to be curious to say, okay, 
there's someone who really knows almost everything like what about me can't I be that person like but like small steps because when I like in grade eight and grade nine I was just really strong in maths but I was never in the top 10 I was probably like in the top 50 so okay top 50 was good in my school because in grade eight and grade nine it was 300 kids so if I'm like in the top 50 I'm like top of the class Really top of the class. Three hundred kids degree. That school is big. My school had like I think about two thousand kids. Like uh, it was that big in total. Yeah. From grade eight to grade twelve. So I feel like my top fifty. You don't really feel the pressure because you're like, okay, I have two fifty people that I'm like on top of. Like really okay, can't get any better. So yeah, can't uh, get any better. <laughs> But I think I was really just strong in numbers. Like with math, it was just one subject that I felt they need to excel in. And I never really cared about all the other subjects. But naturally, when you're like good in like math, you get to grade 10 and you're still good in math. But with other subjects, you're like barely, but you're still good, but like you're barely making it to like the top kid. So naturally, teachers start to have interest in you when you're good in math. So I think. That's where I think I started getting a lot of pressure from like the teachers because they'll be like, okay, why are you not, are you, what is going on with the other subjects and stuff like that. And I think that pressure really sparked something because I was like, okay, maybe they see something in me that I, I don't really see. And I think I started exploring that. And by the time I had a solid basis of where to start with when it comes to applying i actually did apply to only three universities my thing was like if the university is gonna have an application fee please i'm not coming there and i ended up i actually wanted to go to up i did the whole application then they hit me with application fee pay that then i was like okay thank you i don't remember but something like that so i was like okay you know what i'm not gonna go there because of that application fee and I UCT Viz and UFS UFS was a lot of peer pressure to be honest because, because most of my friends were like hitting UFS and I was like yo imagine me being alone by myself but when I got to metric it was I already had a good basis of what to expect when it came to my final marks like I knew that most of the things that I was going to apply for, high chances are I was going to get it. So that's why basically I didn't really, like I didn't really apply to all the universities because I knew that I had a good enough basis to begin with. So I would say I only applied to three universities because I, I already had so much trust in myself. I believed that I, like, you know, it can only go one way and one way only. So. That was yeah. a good enough basis for me to like, okay. Yeah. Miss doesn't want to use there. So I can't I can't imagine how I'd even get like the same math mark as you and like the trip. Maybe if I had like a better teacher from earlier, because with my school it was also it was also set up in such a way that the smart kids are like in one class. Which would like this the A class and then the or smart kids, but not in the A class and like the B class. And then um, it was just like C and D after that and C and D. 
it was it was it was a party to be honest um just from the stories i'd hear like oh this happened in that closet i'm like yo how did that even yeah so but honestly even at the time even now the problem i had with that was teachers wouldn't really prioritize or nurture the kids in like the latter classes you know Mm -hmm. and i do think if you're if you're in a group you're gonna sort of not the average but like you're the average of the people you spend the most time with so like with you you're thrown into like a really competitive class where like you're expected to achieve a certain level and you rose up to the challenge because that's just what human beings do so i have like a very almost identical story i was like it's just okay barely cracking the top 10 i'd probably miss it by like five percent since like we've since forever and when i got to that class it's like all right nah, it's time to like you know what I mean? it's time to go hard and then eventually did end up making the top 10 but now just like during that period i just thought like if i landed in like the class i wouldn't have had that pressure yeah to work as hard and actually like achieve my potential so that's, i always sort of had like a problem with how schools structure that because it's not like people in the latter classes aren't don't have the potential to like actually do really well but they're not getting nurtured anyways because they're gonna focus on the cream of the crown yeah so it's like i always like had a bit of a problem with that there's this really great thing that google has it's called google digital skills for africa and it has a wide range of courses from getting a business online making sure your customers find you online promoting a business online okay it's all like business stuff understanding the basics of code exactly Mm -hmm. things like that so it there, there, there is information out there. I do know there are websites that actually do have like covers quite a lot of courses for free, not only Google. And those websites, you actually do get a certificate after that. So, but I'm just not like not on top of my head now which website it is. But there is quite a lot on Twitter. Actually, people do share those type of websites, those type of free courses that people can take. Absolutely. And Absolutely. yeah. It's just yes, exposing yourself to the right kind of people on Twitter, to the right type of people on on YouTube and things like that. Most definitely, most definitely. Because um, another really big one is um, Udemy. Yeah. And another one called Upskillist. Um, I just have it open here. I'm seeing SQL for data analytics, free offered by what, Udacity. Mm. Um build native mobile apps and i have seen a few more on like crypto i know uct has an online one something about blockchain technology so i do think that if anyone is interested in like knowing more about it that's like a better way to go about it so just understand the fundamental technology and then deciding you know instead of just my friend told me that there's this <laughs> point called one guy Corey, and it's gonna go out the next we just that's all your Twitter X coin. Now you pay with the Twitter X coin. Okay, so now on to goals and just achieving certain goals that one might one may have because you you mentioned you you went from 
selecting your subject and or not selecting but being thrown into like the cream of the crop class and then having to figure out how to improve your academics in your weaker subject what are I some think, of the habits yeah. that you, what are some of the habits and frameworks that you put in place to bridge mm-hmm. that gap I think for me personally, I would say that like, I think maths is, is really the, the basis of every and anything. I think once you, and that's really on my personal opinion and my personal experience, I think math, your mind to be a critical thinker and to really want to find out more about things. And I think I was really just fortunate because just because I was very much strong in maths uh, from a, yeah, an early age, I was thrown into like some competition, South African Men's, men's Olympiad. That competition kind of really, it really sparked interest in me trying to like be a critical thinker. I was never a winner of the South African Men's Olympiad in any way, shape or form, but it actually really taught me quite a lot about thinking about things and uh, not like because that competition we don't really you don't use a calculator for that competition so it, it really forces you to think out of the box how you're gonna solve this kind of question so I think that competition really made me to be quite a critical thinker I wouldn't say like like I was really the most hardworking person who was going home and studying after but it was also the type of school that I was in we would go from six, uh, like six thirty in the morning till five thirty. That summer time, so you would have that time in the morning, that time in the afternoon, where you can get everything in order. Then you go home, and then you don't necessarily have to be doing anything. And um, so, uh, I think that again, what are we talking about? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think like, I just I'm... lost myself in the conversation. Yeah. That's great. That is what that is what people But yeah, absolutely. Uh, what habits and change in behavior did you employ to bridge the gap with your other subjects? I, I think I learned quite quickly that it was really about practicing and it was really about when you see a question, can your brain tell you that I've seen this before? And I think that's what I worked towards when it comes to anything. It started with maths because with maths it was like in my school, I think maths was just the highlight of anything really. We just stay for maths, any subject, any period that was free. We knew it was my best teacher's period. That's it. We would ask other teachers, like, let's say we have life orientation. We're like, ah, can I take those ones to like teach the maths? Like that was it. I think maths was really in our life. Just lifestyle so throughout we would really every single saturday we were writing a question paper and we would not leave school before we so we, we have time to write so we would have let's say the question paper was one hour 30 minutes you write that question paper we would not leave before we finish marking the whole question paper so that in itself it made it like i saw with like how we did so many question papers when you finally get let's say your exam paper you already sort of like you see questions and they are not new to you as much as it's like different numbers but it's not new in terms of how you try to solve that so i think 
the practicing more questions and things like that with math as the starting point and then it filtered through to the other subjects then so by the time you know it you see a question being by you see questions and then you realize that questions really don't change maths is maths it doesn't matter you won't get anything yeah. different and like I think my teacher really trained us to see a question paper in a different way to say, for example, math, there's always 1.3. That 1.3 is like they said that question for specific reason. I think I, I'm not sure if it's 1.3, but there was for paper one, there was like one like one question that was really set to just really so in those cases, you would know that, okay, if I read 1.3 once and I don't understand it immediately, I'm skipping this question. I'm going to focus on other questions and I'm going to come back to this. And what that did, it, it like once you would try the whole question paper and you, you, you get, you're getting things, you, you under, you like, you're getting the questions like in your head, you think you're getting them right, but it really boosts your confidence to when you're going back to something that was difficult for you. You, you you already have the confidence you have somewhere to begin with like okay this is the only question that I'm left with like okay now I probably have 30 minutes left like I, I can try to do something with this question and critical thinking again really just I think my school it was big on really doing questions quite a lot a lot especially for maths I remember like you know, I don't I don't think, like in Matrix, I don't think there's a question paper that we never did. And my teacher was one of those, like, he he doesn't, like, he wants people to not get things. So he would go into a textbook and try to get a question that even himself, he can't get it right. And he gives it to the class so that we all trying, we try, we try, we try till, like, someone's like, okay, I got how to do this. And I think that's the type of training and the, t the type of environment that I grew up in. I think... I can attribute most of the success as to how I did after, like in matric, to the type of environment that I was in. To be honest, I, it was really just the environment. Wow, that's really great. That's really great. Yeah, teachers, teachers actually play such a huge role in. Yeah, and and you think teachers that don't really give you the attention, they're doing you a favor, but. They're actually not doing you a favor. Like the teachers, like at some point I hated my best teacher so much because one time he like he gave us a homework and I didn't write it. And you no, know, he would punish us already. I mean, like it's corporate punishment. Like, like you know what? <laughs> you know what? It got us where we are now. But anyway, so I didn't write. <laughs> I didn't write. So he would come to class. He doesn't. I am a victim, but you know what? That experience changed a big part of me. So he doesn't really come to class and tell, ask you, like, um, doesn't really say, he just say, like, okay, whoever didn't write my stand-up, so you stand up on your own. If he finds out that you don't stand up, then you get a bigger punishment. So you're better off just standing up before anyone picks on you. So this other time I didn't write. I was in retreat, you and forget that experience. Yo, he like he's like, you also didn't write. So who do you expect my hundred percent to come from where you don't write? Yo, he should like I think he made an example of me and like like okay, no, that's corporate punishment, but you know what? 
It's okay. Like, it's in the past. That, it's in the past. It's okay. It's I, I never forgot about it. I never forgot about it. I hated him so much that like it made me to be a person that whenever he's giving a question paper, I'm focused, I'm writing, I'm making sure that I'm getting anything from that paper. But like I think looking back at it, it really made me a better person because I think I was becoming too comfortable in being like, okay, I know this, I can do this, I've done this before, but like it woke me up just to like, okay. I have to really do the work. But your that experience was one of the worst and really the great like the one of the ones that I really do appreciate because you think those type of teachers they hate you, but it's those ones that you feel like they are really pushing you like to your limits that you can tell that like, okay. Like after you've been through that you look back and you think, actually this they, they had the best interest in at heart and they they knew what kind of results you could possibly get if you really put yourself in it. I mean, not promoting corporate punishment in any way, but hey, yeah, that's that's where I was and yeah. <laughs> No, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Do I I I think I think for me uh if my friends are gonna listen to this, they're gonna they're gonna chuckle because they remember these moments in class. I think for me it was sort of the same. You know when teachers see the potential in you and they see you not living up to it or not putting in the work necessary yeah. to actually achieve it. Then yeah, because for me, for me though, that only happened like earlier grades. Like I remember grade four. Um, it was also it was also a maths class. The teacher was Mr. Ngosi, right? So like with top of I'm even named Rafi. I think I'll edit it out a few days. Like for maths, but like, but like, but like, no. But I think, I think, prop, props to him for that also. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I would do, like, I was like mega talkative, like super, super talkative, smart enough to actually like do the work and whatever. But I just like be so talkative in class that it just called me like, you know, come to here, wish you what? And I, I get to over it. It's about that time. <laughs> So like I also got like uh, you know, but in retrospect, I at the time it sucks. Like why the hell? Like he got the same thing wrong too, bro. <laughs> like this is like multiplication with like three numbers. What's going on? Like I'm trying my best. Like they got it wrong too, but they're not getting like the same thing I'm getting. This is so unfair. I this class, you know. But in retrospect. Those are the moments that shape you for the better if you have the right mindset towards them because mm-hmm. as much as what your teacher put you through, it sort of could have gone either way. It could have gone like, went through that experience and they're like, no, you know what, screw this, forget this, I hate this, I always do so well in the class the one time I'm not and had a bad attitude towards it. But you sort of had, ah, right, now I'm going to show you this is never going to happen again. And you went the other way. You say that, I think that's so the I, way, that's where I was also because I was like, you think I really could not have done this homework? Now I'm gonna show you anything you give me, you'll find it down done. But in me doing that, I was actually shaping myself to be fast like when I'm doing things like cause when you think when you find a question and then you're like, I've seen this before, I've done this before, like you don't take as much time that like for most people they would not finish maths, but I think 
I would tell you though that I couldn't finish my if I just like had a question that I like I felt like I just had anything to add to it. But not because I don't think I had enough time, but it was because practicing so much that yeah. But okay, it's not the case of accounting. Accounting you never finish in that way. <laughs> but anyways. So this this seems like really like silly question to ask because I sort of know what the answer is. You definitely love maths way more than accounting. Uh I do. Like I do. Maths is like it's my life. Like I I feel like I breathe maths even today. I feel like maths was it's one of those times that I figured that I actually like maths. Okay, high school maths because positive maths. I threw myself in a different wavelength of maths. But high school math, I can say till today, like I actually really learned math in such a way that even after so like so much time of not being exposed to that math, I was able to get back to tutoring with not so much difficulty. But accounting, it was more of okay, university I did account. It's fine, but with math, it was just like I actually did learn that it didn't it made it easier for me to 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 like even today like i i still feel like i i, I love with like i love talking about me it's like not so many with other subjects i think physical science especially in my science uh, not so much it did well but like yeah uh, you give me that it probably close to getting zero for physical science but it's because i don't think i learned i don't think I learned, I think I just got through it. But with math, I think I, I was quite learning there. And I think it made sense for me. I, I don't know why, but I think it's really made so myself. I don't know so many people would say something like, um, where do you apply maths? But I'm like, you apply maths every day in your life. Maths is not a subject where you say, where is the application? Math is more teaches you how to think about problems, teaches you how like when you have an unknown, it's like how you solve your own life problems. But I mean, maybe engineers would pack to Chifa because they they would use the the graphs, the angles and whatever. But I mean maths is really a critical thinking subject. And I, I think it I think maths is one of the most important subjects because once you get a grip of maths, it's much easier to pull up your other subjects. I would say that for myself because I saw that happening. Once I excelled in maths, it became much more easier to like think, okay, let's see science. Let's see how the the chemistry is. Like, okay, no, let's not. But yeah. If you were the minister, if you were the minister of education, right? Yeah. Like you're 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 appointed right now. What 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 changes do you think you would make to the NSC syllabus in particular? Or maybe like education as a whole. Mm. What I think specifically NSC, you know, because like that's where we stem from. So we have like a better idea of what's great and what's not so great. Yo, that's a <laughs> that's a tough one because I think it's quite it's quite difficult to make decisions when it's like a wide group of people you can't necessarily like you just have to make the best decision for the large group 
but you can't necessarily serve every single individual's needs. So I guess it's it's like when you're taking certain decisions, you have to think that there are people who are already disadvantaged them, one on the basis that education system doesn't recognize more like visual learners and things like that. There's quite like if if you are someone who wants to talk through things and not necessarily good with writing doesn't really accommodate those so those that's like one of the disadvantages of making decisions for a wide group of people because you're not gonna make everyone happy but i guess what i would like to change is that like especially if you are in a public school where i went it was a good school like it produced the really great students great marks but what happened when you go to university you pick maths because you're strong in maths then you figure out that's a different type of maths that's not the maths that you did but you quickly realize that there are people who did like let's say for example ap maths there are people who did like uh, another grade of maths that she didn't do and those people don't struggle as much as you do because for example, in my first year, mem I did mem one thousand, and every single thing was new to me. Like every single topic was new yeah. to me, and that thing of like, okay, you got ninety nine in high school, didn't really matter because this is like a complete new different subject for me. And I think that gap between, like, I think at least have an option of people choosing AP maths and just your normal basic maths. I think that's not there in most. I don't even know any public school that offers AP maths. If it's there, it's not a lot of them. And I think those are the things that shapes how you actually turn out in university. Like first year confidences are really your make or break. To be honest, like your... Because you're coming out with, like, very strong marks. Like, honestly, there's no way you're going to fail. And, you know, when people tell you about university and you're this smart person, you're just like, you know what? Oh, I, I hear you, but that is your story. That's mine. And then yeah. you get to, to experience the reality of things that, you know what? People's stories, varsity stories, they're not really different. And you get there and you just, like, should have listened maybe it would have turned out a different way but i think i think we are not really very prepared for the varsity experience and i think what i would like to see more when it comes to the minister of education of um uh, of education maybe with stuff is like prepare the learners for the varsity experience like i don't know how that looks like to be honest that's like a very politically correct answer but however that looks like i feel like especially if you're from rural you have not experienced city it's like it's quite a big jump to be honest to be dealing with a whole lot of things that are changing for you all at coming from a place where you're like okay you're used to people not really having cars you get to university you get first years are coming with the cars and you're just like okay what are we doing here like 
you yeah. like experience it quite a lot all at once and then on top of that you have this academic pressure because with strong marks you're probably throwing yourself in their deep degrees that you like you're convinced mm. to take and then yeah you have this academic pressure and if you don't have anyone from your family who went through the varsity experience it's even worse because nobody understands what you're talking about when you're just like I want to quit school right now. I want to focus on myself. But they don't understand because they're like, you have this strong academic stuff. So I think not only preparing the learners, maybe also preparing the parents in that sense to say, to be able to to give the right support. When someone is saying they're struggling, really it's quite difficult to communicate that to your parents who think you're the smart kid in the family. You're just... The light of the family really—it's quite difficult to communicate that, and that's just because that environment is not created at home to be able to communicate your failures. You you only articulate well when you're doing well, and I think that's where it becomes a little bit tricky. It's both ways. You need parents to come into party. You need the government to come into party to make sure that at the end of the day, the learner is supported in a way that it gives them the environment, the right environment for them to succeed. And you don't just get to university and be exposed. I mean, the reality, you're going to be exposed to so much at all at once, but can you get, like, is there any better way that you can prepare? I do think so. I think there are schools that already, they offer, let's say, your engineering courses and then, People are starting from, like, when you're starting first year, you're not starting from zero. And I think that's what most public public school students, they're really going into university starting from zero. And you're just like, what was I learning all this years? Like, wow, was there anything like that? But I guess this is a difficult question. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's quite a difficult one when you have to decide for a lot of people. But I think just introducing a lot more of meaningful subjects that will help you when you get to varsity because hey first year will make or break your whole entire varsity experience like most people usually don't they don't really recover from their best bad first year experience and that's bad if you don't recover from that you you end up like it's, it's quite difficult to recover from it because and now you mm. have to lie to your parents. You make up transcripts that are not there. You know, all those type of things. But yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I guess it's also parents being able to understand that, like having that space that people can communicate where their shortfalls are. I think that's important. Also, it, it like people who have good relationship with like, who have a good support structure, who understand what they're going through, they tend to do much better than someone who's really trying to impress everyone, who's trying to get everything right. I guess part of life is you have to go through something to really learn. Uh, like to... That's a, that's a really, that's a really great answer. answer. There's, so, there's, so many, there's so many like pockets that you went into that I want to dive into, but this episode will be like three hours plus, most definitely. But you're absolutely right. And that that there isn't, or maybe there is, and I just haven't come across it, but there isn't 
that conversation isn't happening amongst parents with kids that are that did really well in high school that don't do so well in their first year of uni. And it is it is for me for me it was it was quite tough because especially like with the maths bit because uh if you get like eighties in maths and then you go into first year. So what I did, uh, the math I did was MAM 10, 20, which is like engineering, MAM 1K, I suppose. And even with it, it's like, what in the world is even going on? Like, I studied, right? Why am I getting this? I've never, why Why am I getting marks that look like the temperature of a really hot day? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, does, it does absolutely put a very huge dent in your armor. And... To get that I understanding, the kind of people you have around around you, and hundred percent, hundred percent, can't understand it enough. If you have someone older that's gone through it, it becomes easier because it's not a oh, it's just a me thing. Because mm-hmm. it is, it does feel very isolating when like who you talk to when you have like when you're like, but you got nineteen in math. How are you getting you smart? And like people can't just can't understand. Like you can't differentiate between what I'm doing now and what I get in high school. Like that's just yeah. But yeah, but you're absolutely right. So fortunately with me though, um, our maths teacher, he gave us the option to do AP maths because even even if you're registered in a public school you can register to do the AP maths but now with him what was what was very incredible which is why I do believe having the right teacher is everything especially in the earlier stages oh yeah he actually made us do because AP maths starts in grade 10 like you have to like start grade 10 AP and then grade 11 AP maths and then grade 12 AP maths we just started in grade 12. So we did three years worth of AP maths in like eight months oh, because it started in like Feb and the exam was like kind of early around August or September. How, how, how did you, how did you deal with that big cultural, cultural shock one and academic shock? You know, cause you did say a lot of things are changing all at once. Yeah. So a lot of things are changing all at once. One, I'm moving from all the way from Mbobo to data and I don't have family in Cape Town. I don't really involve anyone who was like maybe maybe from like high school there were like some people who were great and but what you quickly realize is when you get to university you don't actually see those people like you don't you never even meet them. And you think maybe when you leave high school when you get to university everyone was in your high school you wanna be like, oh my God this babysit hair and stuff like that. And it really just doesn't happen. One, because you find that those people, maybe they're struggling and they don't want you to see them in that light. Or maybe they're just too busy that they don't really have time to be checking up on anyone because university is quite busy actually. And also you don't really, maybe you're not in the same field. So chances of you meeting here and there it's very limited so quickly soon you like quick realize that you're actually on your own and you have to form your own community to say and not rely on oh I, this person they must give me that they might like you have to take 
expectations out of anyone. You shouldn't expect anything from anyone. But it's very important to know when to reach out to people and to know who to reach out to, who can actually show you something. And I think for me it was what played a very big part was getting into rest. And I think getting into rest and then they, they really make a big deal out of like first year experience and stuff like that. You form like quite a community very easily because you have that. Which, if I think about it, maybe I went to an off-campus rest in which everyone's just living their own life. I wouldn't have been able to form a community quite quickly. So basically just forming relationships with people who, let's say we invest here and then at rest we had like senior mentors and things like that. People who were were doing the same courses. It's just like you don't need someone that you know to give you the information. That's what you need to learn. Is that you don't need someone who you know to give you the information. Anyone who has the information can give you the information. And that's what that was it with like the senior mentors. You just need to know, okay, so it's someone who signed up to be there for first years and it's up to you if you want to use them or not. And I chose for me, I wanted to use them. And when you struggling so much and then you are able to reach out to quite a few friends who are in, in class with and you're like, hey, I don't understand this day. Please, like, get me out of this soon now. That actually plays quite a, it, it, it really have a big difference on how you actually, like, turn out. Because you can, if you, if you, if you build the skill of asking for help and not being stuck with your high school marks, that is really going to save you because. Oh, yes. <clears throat> which which residence were you in? I was in Clannemans. Uh, oh. Yeah, Lemon. That I think as much as everyone says, oh, my God, that's so far. But, like, I think I had the best experience there. I actually lived there for three years, actually. Um, but that was, I think that was the best place to ever be placed. Maybe everyone would say the same about the rest, but I think we had quite a bit of... It was quite a community that I enjoyed, to be honest. It was a really... To be honest, I think it would need everything for me to be much better, bearable. You know, quite... You... And also because like it's a catering area, you're really forced to really be around people because... Having friends in the same uh, in the same uh, field that you're in, uh, that's that that's really quite important because you have people that, hey, when there's an assignment, they will be calling you up like, we done this, whatever. So you have people who really like put you on your feet every time to like make sure that things are getting done. And as much as you have that, it's also very important to hold yourself accountable and to always remind yourself that, hey. Personally, I come from very far and you know what, this is a really, I need to do this for myself because I, I can't have that part of me going home and have nothing to show for it. Can't just be spending time in Cape Town for fun. And it was not really easy to go through varsity to be honest. It was not the easiest one, but I think having that basis of why am I here? what is it that I'm trying to change and do for myself? I think that really played quite a big, 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 big role in like 
always reminding yourself why am I here? Seeking help when you need help, that's important because some people, they know they need the help, but they will not ask for help because of they're scared of how people are going to perceive them. Like, okay, we thought you were smart, but okay, what's going on? But you quickly realize that nobody cares about you being smart or not. People are really just rooting out for you. And if you take that advantage, it really will change your varsity experience, I think. It's not easy. It's not the easiest one, but it makes it bearable. It makes it much better to know that you have people who are rooting out for you. Not necessarily your family. But just people who are there close to you, people who've been here, have the experience. Yeah. yeah. You actually just reminded me of a Winnie the Pooh quote, Bunny yeah. out. And the quote goes something like, it's two characters. The one asks, what was, mo- what was the most courageous thing you've ever had to do? Mm. And the answer was asking for help. Because, because having to ask for help, you you sort of put yourself in a vulnerable position, you know, and it's not everyone that can reach that level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, I had to learn that as I got older. Um, but yeah, that was definitely like a very difficult thing. It was like, you're always doing so well, dude. Like, how, how are you saying you're having a problem with math? That doesn't make sense, dude. But you know, yeah, absolutely. Being able to ask for help is a strength. It sounds very easy, but if you really think about it, you have to really like go deep down and like allow yourself to feel that actually I cannot do this by myself. Like I've tried anything, but unfortunately, people who are really like smart, they they really want to figure things out for themselves. But in the university, it's quite important to quite, like, as soon as possible because you don't have time. Time doesn't wait for you. So by the time you're still trying to figure out and you want to take weeks to figure out something, people are already three years ahead of you at that point when you to, like, figure it out. So it's important to know that there are people who are there to assist you. And, yeah, honestly, it's not the easiest thing to do your right. So, final question. Okay, so if you had a billboard that could have a single piece of advice that the whole world would see, what would you want to be on that billboard? Yo, what should I want in that billboard in a single piece of advice? Yo, that's hectic. That's hectic to think about because I feel like I need all the advice out there possible. Times just be quiet. That's what it, I think. I think I would say just like, uh, just be yourself and try your best every day. But I think being the best, uh, being yourself on me is, it really is, uh, it, it puts you in a position where even if, there's so much going on. You can always come back to yourself and figure out, okay, this is why I picked this. This is why I'm here because you know, this is you. So I think just having a sense of identity, like knowing yourself, really what's important to you 
takes you uh, 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 takes you very far and also just doing your best every day i guess it's really important because you don't wake up every day feeling motivated to do things things are not the easiest to wake up to do some days you just feel like why why am i supposed to do this but making sure that every day you do your best that's good enough and yeah just be yourself and just do your best currently all right and that is that is it yeah yeah really great thank you so much thank you so much for borrowing me your time you know it's super super duper duper precious time because i know like there's a million other things that could have been you know could have been yeah but i thank you so much thank you so much it has been real 